I, again, I hope you've enjoyed the music this morning and just the spirit of our church, and uh, God's been good. And so this morning we're going to be in Romans chapter number 6. If you are joining with us and you haven't been with us or you weren't with us last week, we started what's going to be just a short series. I'm going to speak this morning on this topic and next week on the topic, and then we're going to go into a series. Um, really, like I said this last week, if you were with us, I made mention that this the short series that we're doing really kind of came out of study and prayer and thought of the series that we're going to get into in the next couple of weeks, which is living the abundant life. And as I was thinking and praying and going through the abundant life idea and concept, the series that we're doing right now just kind of came out through that. And the thought being, in order for us to truly live the abundant life, we must be slaves of Christ. And as we get through Scripture, we talked in Romans chapter 6 last week, um, just to the, at the beginning there, the thought of we have this life, we have this opportunity through Christ, but really when we look at this passage of Scripture that we've been in, we were once slave of sin, and when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you now become slave of righteousness. And we mentioned this last week that there was, there's two things you will be a slave to, one of which will be a slave of righteousness, the other would be unrighteousness. And we know that for fact, regardless of how we want to spin it or what we want to say, God's word is very clear, you will be either a slave of righteousness or a slave of unrighteousness. And so we talked last week as Christians, as those who have come to know Jesus Christ, you once were a slave of unrighteousness. And as you accept Jesus Christ, and as, as we understand and recognize that Jesus went to a cross and died and in three days was buried and rose again, we understand that we no longer are a slave or a servant of that unrighteousness. And we have a new, a newness is what I mentioned last week in this passage of Scripture. There's a newness of life that we have because of that. And so as we talked about that last week, we talked about a number of different things. We talked a little bit of how we were, we died with Christ and were buried with Christ. And as we accept him as our savior, we are then risen with him, which is an exciting thing and should be a good news and a good thing to us. The fact that in Christ, we died with him and then we rose with him again. And so we talked about that last week, and this week we're going to jump into, um, we're going to hit just a very little at the beginning, and then we're going to kind of a, a carry on of last week, and then we're going to jump into really as it looks in the passage of Scripture, how we are and how we become a slave of God is what it says towards the middle end of this passage that we're going to read this morning. And so if you would grab your Bible with me in Romans chapter number 6, we'll start in verse number 15. And I'm going to read through the end of this passage of Scripture. And if you would join with me in reading, that would be great. And it says in verse number 15, Romans chapter 6, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servant of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. 
For as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now ye yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things, whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the day in which you've given to us. Lord, I thank you for the songs that were sung, songs of of the cross, songs of Calvary, songs of joy and happiness, things that we have in you. A song that says, I am a friend of God. Father, we pray as we look through your word this morning here in Romans chapter 6 that you would be lifted up. Father, I pray that the things that you would have me to say would go forth and pierce the hearts as only you can. God, we ask that you'd meet with us this morning and it's in your name that I pray. Amen. I don't have a long introduction this morning. I'm going to pretty much jump right into this. But as we get right back into the series, we spoke on being in bondage or a slave of sin last week. And because of Jesus Christ and the death of the cross, we are no longer need to be or we are no longer slaves to sin. The entire premise really of this series is the fact that we are no longer a slave of unrighteousness, but we become a slave of righteousness. And as I stated, like I just stated just a moment ago, we are one or the other. We will be a slave of one of those two things. And the first point this morning is, as we look at this passage of Scripture, 15 through 23, the first thought here is that we have a new liberty. We have a new freedom. In verse number 15, it it says basically the same question if we were to go back in verse number 1, it says the same thought. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. In verse number one, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The idea being very similar in that the, Paul was asking that question is, Grace is now the, the thing. We have salvation by grace and God came and sent it, or God sent His Son to die on the cross. We have that grace and we have that forgiveness and we have all those things. And he, through that grace, he abolished the law. And so in verse 15, he's saying that. So because there is no more law and now we have grace, should we just continue to sin? And we kind of hit this last week, but... And he immediately says, God forbid. We understand that just because grace abounds does not mean that we have the freedom to do whatever we want and sin and act and do all of those things because, oh, hey... God died for my sins, and after I do it, I'm just going to say, hey, God, forgive me. I hope you don't live your life that way. I don't believe, and this could be controversial in stating that, I don't believe that one that lives their life that way ever truly had a heart-to-heart moment with God where they truly came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I know that's maybe a controversial statement, and once you're saved, you're always saved, and I get that thought, and I understand that, and I'm not going into that idea. That's not the premise. But the premise being, when you accept Jesus Christ, as we stated last week, there's a newness of life. It says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And when I accept Jesus Christ, if I once was this, and I never leave this, 
I, deep in my heart, I kind of go, I wonder if they ever truly had that heart-to-heart with God. Because they've never left the slave of sin. They've never left the bondage of sin that we've talked about in this passage of Scripture. But as we continue to go forward, there's a new liberty or new freedom that we have. Let me say this. This is an attitude that we possess. The liberty we now have as believers in Christ comes solely from Christ as our Savior. But how we deal with that liberty or how we deal with that freedom is based on an attitude that we have inside of of us. If our attitude is that of God's so gracious, God loves me so much that it'll be okay. If our attitude is that of God is a God of mercy, so he'll understand. If this is the attitude in which we live towards sin, then let me share with you this, sin will win. If our attitude is such that, you know what, God loves me, God gives mercy, and God gives grace, and Jesus died on the cross, and everything's okay, so I'll just continue to do this. Let me just share with you, that's not freedom for one, and sin will win in your life. You'll never get away from that. We will never get beyond that thing. You can't conquer, nor would I think you have a desire to conquer your sin or the bondage of sin if you feel that way toward your sin and towards God. However, if your attitude is that of a God that is just, a God that is jealous, a God who will one day judge, our sin will be completely different. And God does love, and God is merciful, and God is gracious, and God is all of those things. But if we live within our lives and our attitude is that that's okay, we never get beyond that. But if we understand the love, and we understand the mercy, and we understand the grace, but at the end of that we can look and we can go, you know what, I also understand that there's an almighty judge, that God is a judge, that God is jealous, that God is all of those things, then my sin life and who I am in my life completely is different based on the two different attitudes. These are loving characteristics of our Lord. Oftentimes we don't like to talk about God being a judge or God being jealous, but they are characteristics of God. If your mind is set to look at God with these characteristics, then I believe that you want sin out of your life. You want to make right the things that need to be made right. You live hating sin because you have a fear and a respect for an almighty God. I'm just going to give you a couple quotes here. We can't expect victory if we don't want victory. I love sports. I've played sports all of my life. I went golfing last week with somebody that invited me to go golfing. I am competitive. I don't like to lose. Golf is probably not a game that I... That's, if you go golfing with me ever, that's a game that you'll never see my competitive drive because I'm not good at it. So therefore, I don't really have this like, I'm not going to kill you. But when I play sports that I can, I can do, we played softball a couple weeks ago. 
I enjoy that game. I get very angry at myself if I don't do what I know that I'm capable of doing. Now, I don't know what I'm capable of doing at 33, what I used to think I could do at 18. I'm still learning that process because I'm still sore from two weeks ago playing softball. I'm still figuring out at 33 what I can do, which I, in my mind, think I was 18 again. Some of you understand where I'm at. But I have a desire, and I have it in my mind, I will not lose mentality, especially when it comes to sports. We can't expect victory if we don't want it. So when we look at that, and you take that in a spiritual aspect, and in a spiritual content, when you look at our lives, and when you, don't look, when you look at that, and you go, well, you know what, I really like this thing, I'll do it one more time, and I'll be okay. You don't truly want victory over that, therefore there is no victory. You don't think you can. That's an attitude thing. I believe that I can, then I'm going to do it. When we look at the next thing here, spiritually, if you have a soft attitude towards sin, sin will win. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, I don't know if it's on the screen or not, but in, wow, that's pretty light over there. Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. In our new liberty, in this new freedom that we have with Christ, when we desire to seek Him, we will ultimately deal with those issues that we are facing that are talked about in this passage of Scripture, being slave or being bondage of that unrighteousness. I'm not saying it'll be easy or that you won't do it again. But when we look and when we live our lives such to that passage of Scripture that we would seek Him, that we would then find Him, we'll search for Him with all of our hearts. Our lives will be made new. In 1 John 1 verse 9, it's a passage that many of us would probably be able to quote if we, can, if we, are, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. Think about this verse in Jeremiah which we just read. If I look at that passage as a believer, as a slave of Christ. And again, if we'll go back. A slave is under their master or their lord or their ruler. If I look at the passage on, in Jeremiah. Can you go back to that passage, Nathan? If I look at that passage as a slave of Christ. And I seek my master. I will find him. And when I search for all of, or for me with all of my heart, I will find him. Why did a slave search out or seek out his master? Why would they do that? They had one, the only reason that a slave really existed was to do what? Please that master. Those slaves we as Christians have basically one job, one goal, one thing that we are called to do, and that is to honor our Heavenly Father, our Master, our Lord. That's it. It's not about, well, I'm just seeking the will of God for my life. I'm seeking this for, I want to see what God would have for me to do for him. How about this? Just go to him and say, here I am, anything. It's not about me. It's about what you would have for me. That's the, the slave would go to the master only for one reason, would be to say, okay, master, I did what I was supposed to do. Now what? 
What do you have for me next? I want to make sure that you are happy. I want to make sure that you are glorified. I want to make sure that you, because why? I like life. And if the slave wasn't making the master happy, you're gone. And again, we're talking a completely different day and age in slavery back in the Bible days when there was rules and there was regulations. And if the slave treated the master or the, or the master treated the slave wrong, there was things that were going to happen to the master as well. So we're, we're and I kind of hit that last week. But when we look at this and we look at this idea, this thought of I have this freedom, I have this liberty, I have this thing. When I'm looking at me as a Christian, as a as a servant of Christ or a slave of Christ, I would only seek my master for one reason. And that's to make sure that what I'm doing is for his glory, to please him. So when we look through this passage of scripture, it starts with an attitude that we completely give our hearts to Him. With that, we would live, we would search, we would seek Him out. In verse number 17 and 18, it says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, you were the slaves of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became, or ye became the slave or the servant of righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were, at one point ye were the slave of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart. A way for a slave to be free or to have liberty was to have been purchased, was to have been traded. There was ways in those days in which you could have been free as a slave. But when we talk about this idea of a slave of Christ, here's what we were. We were once slave to sin. We had an owner. We had a master. Before Christ, it was unrighteousness. It was Satan. Jesus bought me from him by sin or by putting himself on a cross that I would then have freedom from that. And he bought me from that old owner. He bought me and paid everything that I ever needed from that old owner. And he bought you who know Jesus Christ from that old owner. And we no longer have to be servant of that thing. And we don't have to do those things. Christ did that for me. He purchased us from the old owner, from the old master. We are no longer the slave of that old thing. We now have a liberty from that old owner. The debt was paid in full. And set up completely free, we now have liberty. And it says there in verse 17, But thank ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart. Again, the idea here that I even stated from the very beginning is, as I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior from within my heart. Many, many, many people, myself included, grew up in church. I had it all here. I know it in my head but transferring from the head to the heart is a whole different ballgame. And it's that acceptance from the heart is what it says in this passage. And then it continues to go on and it says that form of doctrine. The idea here of this form, and then we'll go to the next point, is this. The idea of a form is basically a mold. Now I, you may go, what, this kind of... I, I've had the, I guess you call it a privilege of growing up in a home with my father who was a machinist. So my father lived and worked around molds and around all of that stuff. 
when I was a kid and we would go to the office, or to the office, it wasn't an office, when I would go to the factory or to the shop, I would go back and dad was always around a machine working on something that was going to be a mold, that something was going to be poured into it, therefore something else could be made. Oftentimes those were vacuums or those were other things that plastic molds would be made in and created and all of those types of things. I had that, I guess you call privilege, and as we're talking this morning, I've seen many molds, many of you have as well. Those can be done in forms of plastic, metal, or whatever it would be. You pour it into it, and we know what we're talking about. Maybe you cook, and you have molds that you pour your whatever it would be in, your baking stuff in, and it comes out whatever you want it to be. Whatever that would be, that thought right there is the mold, or that we have a form of doctrine, or the mold of doctrine. And so when we look at that idea of being a mold, the believer being the the plastic or the rubber or whatever it is, we are being poured into that mold, poured into that doctrine, poured into what God has created, what God designed, that, that teaching, the doctrine there. And so when I stop and I think and I look through this passage of Scripture and I'm diversing and kind of going through this whole slave idea and I once was a, a slave of this and obedient to this and now I have been formed, I am being molded by this doctrine that was given to me, by this gospel that was given to me. Which leads us to 18, and it states, we then are free of sin. We have a new master. You then became servants, or in, if you look at the study there, its servant is a slave of righteousness. I, as, as I accepted Christ as my Savior, I accepted the doctrine, I accepted the teaching, I accepted and I was poured into that mold and I no longer have to be slave to this over here. I am free from that and now here I am over here to be freed from that. We have been molded into Christ. We are being poured into that mold that he would have us to be. We are pleasing our master because our duty is to do so and to do all that we can to honor and to work. And it says there that we became servants or slaves of righteousness. The next point is this. Freedom doesn't just bring us liberty. When we are freed, we, are, we feel a natural loyalty to that which freed us. So not only do we have a new liberty, we have a new loyalty. And our loyalty is now to the person of Jesus Christ. There are a few people in my life that have given me opportunities, and to those people I feel a sense of loyalty. I don't know what, who that person would be for you in your life, but I would imagine some of you could think whether it was a parent or whether it was an uncle or an aunt or a grandparent or a friend or a neighbor or somebody that gave you an opportunity and you now feel this sense of, of loyalty to that person. You almost, I can think back in my life, I can think of baseball coaches, I can think of my father and my parents, I can think of other people and I can go, man, I'm indebted to that person for what they gave me the opportunity to do and to be. I have a sense of loyalty to that person. That's deep within who we are 
is that we feel loyal to the person who gave us those opportunities. And the same thing took place as Christ paid that debt that we talked about just a few verses ago, and then we talked about even last week. As Christ paid that debt, as Christ paid for me to be in His camp, so to speak, I no longer have to... I don't live this way. I'm now loyal to to my master. I'm now loyal to God. And we have a new loyalty. In verses 19 and 20, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity under or unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness, for when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. So as we look at these two verses of Scripture here, as we look here, we were once loyal to sin. We were once loyal to the wrong crowd, to the wrong things, only to find and understand that we no longer have to be loyal because we were slave of that. Now that was, I was purchased. So I, was, I used to live in this compound, and now I live in this compound because of, I got a new owner. And so now I'm no longer loyal to this owner over here. In our world, we're talking spiritually here, so in our world, I'm no longer loyal to Satan. I'm no longer loyal to the things of this world. I become loyal to God because he bought me. And so when I look at this passage of Scripture, it says in verse number 19, I speak after the manner of men. And Paul is basically saying here, listen, we're all men. We're all human beings. You're a human, I'm a human, man, women, this is, I'm speaking after this manner. Because of the infirmity of your flesh. Because of the weakness of our flesh. Because of the naturalness, or the, the, we are naturally going to give in to our flesh. That's who we are. You and me alike are naturally going to give in to the flesh because we're Sinful creatures. And that's what Paul says in verse number 19. This is that as men, as people, we have this thing of the flesh that we deal with. We'll naturally fall to our sin nature. We will naturally fall to the flesh. Our natural loyalty is to our flesh, to our sin nature. Only with Christ can we go against that in our lives. This is as we know Christ, we understand that we were and now, or what we were, and now what we have. We have a new life. We have a new liberty in Him. Now we have a new loyalty to a new master. How do I live and actually be loyal? The more you feed whatever that is, the more it's going to grow. If you want to be loyal to Christ... If you want to be more a slave, a servant of Christ, or if you want to be more a servant of unrighteousness, whichever one we feed is the one that is going to grow. In my life, I am never going to become perfect. Never. If you thought that, I apologize, but I'm never going to be perfect. Mindy, I'm sorry. You're stuck. But I'm not. Neither are you. None of us will ever be perfect. 
But the more that I feed righteousness, the more that my life reflects Jesus Christ. The more that my relationships will reflect Jesus Christ. The more that when I speak, I will reflect Jesus Christ. And so the, the more that I feed that, the more that, I, that I, I give in to God, the more that I will naturally be a slave of God and it will become easier. It doesn't go away. It never goes away. There's going to be a moment when somebody says something and you flip your lid and you do something and the next thing you know you're like, oh my word, I haven't done that in years. We're human beings. And Paul says right here, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity, because of the weakness of our flesh. For as you have yielded yourselves, your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield, give over yourself, your members, to slaves of righteousness, or of unto holy, righteousness unto holiness. The more we yield our members to uncleanness, the more that's what's going to grow. The more we yield our members to righteousness, we will see holiness in our lives. That thing you yield to will be the thing that grows. What is growing for you? Is your new life growing? That newness of life we talked about last week, is it growing? Or is that old life creeping back in? In our world, we talk about the backslidden Christian. Where are you? What are you feeding today? I've been in church. I don't remember the last time I missed a service. I know lots of people that have been in church and haven't missed a service that are very well backslidden. Well, I know you look at me and you look at yourself. You go home, you look in the mirror and you... Am I where I'm supposed to be? We know it. I would guess that none of you would have to go home and look in the mirror. You probably know right now where you are with God. When was the last time you had a devotion? Not just read, my, read the Bible, but had a true devotion. Really read it. Grabbed something out of it. When was the last time, even more so than that, when was the last time you had a conversation with God that wasn't, God, thank you for this food. God, help us to have a good night's rest. And the more you feed, the more you yield your members to either one of those things, righteousness or unrighteousness, that's the thing that will grow. As you've left that old life, as you begin to understand this thing of being a servant of unrighteousness and now a servant of righteousness, we have to really put into action what we yield to. Be a slave of righteousness and holiness be set apart from sin, the practice of sin, to the practice of righteousness. So we have a new freedom or a new liberty. We have a new loyalty. And based on that, we have a new longevity. As we look in verses 20 through 23, it says, For when ye were the servants of sin, wait, 21, I'm sorry, what fruit had ye then in those things? Whereof ye are now ashamed, for the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end unto everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
as we look at this passage of Scripture, it says right there, What fruit had you or had ye in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? I can look back in my life. Again, I've shared this many times. I don't, I don't go back to being five, six, and seven before I got saved and think of all the things I was ashamed of that I used to do. To be real honest, I don't know much of anything that I did when I was four, five, six, and seven. Just going to be honest. However, I can look back in my life, and there's many, many things that the fruit that came out of my life was not something that I'm proud of. It would be something that I would be ashamed of. This passage of Scripture says just that. What? The fruit ye had in those things, when you were a slave over here, when you were this person over here, when you were bought by this person, those things that you did, the fruit that came off of that life, we're ashamed of. Man, I'm not proud of that person. I've talked to many of you, and many of you hesitate to share much of your story. You're ashamed of the things that you used to be. Because it it brings back things that you don't like to think about. What that fruit was in those days, what it brought forth, what it came from that was death. I can't stress enough, this life that we have in Christ is the greatest life you could ever live. God gave so we could live. We were once slave or a servant of sin. We are now slave or the servant of righteousness. We no longer are under the bondage of sin's grip. We no longer have to attempt to do just enough things to hope that we get in. We no longer have to live with that. We no longer have to live hoping that when this life is over, I hope I did enough. When this life is over, oh, we're going to go to hell and it's going to be a party. We don't have to wonder what that is. Here's what I know. When this life is over, I've got glory forever and ever and ever and ever. I have a longevity of life that I never had before. Because the fruits of the old man, the fruits of that slave of sin brought death. Now I have fruits that bring life. Everlasting life. You have that. When you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, we have a longevity that we can hope for. We've said it many, many times. There's one thing that a Christian has that a non-Christian, does, or a non-Christian doesn't have is hope. You have a hope that when this is over, there's something a lot better out there. And we may not understand it. And I may not be able to dive into God's Word and go, man, I know what my house is going to look like, and man, I know what this is going to be, and man, and we sit and we'll go, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. I've often wondered what my grandparents are thinking in glory. I don't know. When I think of it, I think it says we got streets of gold. I look at gold, and this is what I see. That's cool. But it says the gold is so pure you can see through it. That's incredible. The stuff that we have, the jewelry that we have, the gems that you might have, ladies, on your ears and your fingers and all of those things, that's beautiful. But it doesn't compare to what the streets are going to be and what the the pearly gates are going to be and all of those things. I ponder that in my mind, but I can't grasp it. But you know what I do? I have a hope, and one day I'm going to be there. 
Without Jesus buying me from this over here, I don't ever have that. We have liberty. We have a new loyalty. We have longevity. We have eternal life that nobody can take away from us. Based on that, based on these things, that should be exciting. We have something. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid. And as I studied and as I looked through this passage of Scripture, here's, this is, if, it's, if you haven't been excited at all yet, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. But it says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? We, were, we should be ashamed of the thing and the person that we used to be. The end of those things is death. And here's the very first word of verse number 22. You all can shout it with me. It says what? But. The end of that is death. And the very next thing is but. When you read the word but, you know something is coming. Unless you're in my house and my kids wrote something on a wall or something. But when you're reading scripture and it says whatever it would say, then it says but. Man, there's something better coming forth. And so right after that it says, But now being made free from sin and become servant or a slave to God, you have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, it says what? Everlasting life. Man, that's awesome. I'm not going to bring this up, but on Wednesday morning, we did a funeral or a memorial service right here. And you know what's incredible? There's hope because there's everlasting life for Chuck Clark, who's in glory right now. We have a new liberty, a new freedom, a new all of those things, but we have longevity and we have a hope of something better than what we have today. We have everlasting life. And in verse 23, a passage that many of you could quote in your sleep, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, we often quote that verse. We would lead somebody to the Lord telling them that the things that we do, the wages, the earning of our sin is death, and we go through that, the gift of God. But as you've read, as we've read through this entire chapter. When I look at this passage with understanding of being, in verse 22, a servant or a slave of God, ye now have a, your fruit unto holiness and the end unto everlasting life. It, it just it looks a little different. I don't know if I could go to somebody and walk them through this entire plan of salvation anymore without letting them know maybe a little bit more stern and more firm than I ever have that listen this isn't just a fireproof insurance you're not just getting to go to glory you now become I'm just letting you know you are going to become a slave of an almighty God are you aware of that when we've accepted Jesus Christ as our savior we didn't just get a cool little God we didn't just get to live the life and ask for forgiveness we didn't get all those things we became you became I became and I know we don't like to say it it says servant some of your bibles if you have different translations may say slave but we became a slave of God 
that doesn't mean that I can go do anything that I want and go, oh God, I'm sorry, and two seconds later doing it again. When I'm a slave, I have one goal and one goal only, and that's to honor my master. And we must live differently today than we did yesterday when we knew Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that's what being a slave of Christ is. Are you a slave of Jesus Christ? It's not. It's not. Well, I go to church. That's not what the Christian life is all about. And I'm just telling you, this isn't something that you've... I'm telling you, I've been convicted for two, three, four weeks, however long I've been studying this. This is the real deal. It's real. I fear that many people that sit in our church and churches all across this country don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because they have it here. They've never made it here, that form of doctrine that we talked about in chapter 6, and we've never become a slave to get rid of the old and to get into the new. Because we don't want to offend somebody. We don't want to become the crazy, radical Christian. I'm sorry if I'm now a crazy, radical pastor, but the reality is we become a slave of Christ when we accept all the things that we just read in chapter number 6 and all throughout Scripture when it speaks of being a Christian and knowing God as our Lord and Savior. It says it right there. We, We often quote it. He is my Lord and Savior. Well, what's a Lord? It's a master. What's a master? A slave owner. We just don't like to use those terms because love sounds a whole lot better than judge. We don't like to talk those things. Listen, I'm telling you, I don't like to talk. I promise you, I don't like to sit up in my office and study it. You've got 30 or 40 minutes worth of it. I have hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of being smacked in the face with it. It's convicting. But my prayer is my life, my relationship, all of those things completely and radically change based on, I'll be real honest, oh, in the last two, three weeks of my study, I pray that my relationship with God has grown. I have been so convicted over this topic because as much as I'd like to think I'm a really good Christian, I don't know that I am. I look and I go, I don't got it together. This church is in trouble. You got a mess up here. But no, that's all of our lives. That's every single one of us. So as we close out this morning, next week, we're going to jump in and kind of wrap up the idea of slave and And I pray that it will be a a blessing to you next week. But as we look at the thought and the idea as we kind of wrap up this morning going into next week, it's, it's exciting. I know the terms that we use aren't exciting. It's not encouraging to think of slavery. But it's exciting to think of who our master is. And as I go through next week, I'm going to go through passage after passage after passage of people and, and, and ideas and topics and things in the Bible that mention this whole idea of being a slave of Christ. People freely say this. 
Paul, almost in every passage that Paul wrote, every letter he said at the very beginning, and almost every one of them, Paul, I, Paul, a slave or a servant of Christ. He was like, listen, guys, woohoo! look what I am. He didn't hide it. He was excited about it. And we go, huh? Yeah, I go to church over there. I hope that this small, short series is able to encourage us this morning. Could I have every head bowed and every eye closed?